Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Here we go on a Monday. The Monday after. Did not go well for the Orange Saturday at Heinz Field. Eight straight Heinz Field losses for Syracuse football. This one's sticking out more than others. It was a game the Orange were expected to win. You had it in the book. You had it planned. Five and one going into the bye week with North Carolina coming in. And Syracuse will probably still be favored against North Carolina in a game that will be played 12 days from now. But little thing happened on Saturday called uh, the loss of a 14-0 lead, a 10-point second-half lead, the lead late that Obviously, pit a race with a field goal and then an overtime victory. We're in the booth. Good to have you with us on this Monday here every day this week. Little verklempt, I believe, is the the word there. We're a little little frog in the throat that hasn't uh, left, and that frog also took a loss on Saturday. Apparently, as uh, the Orange continue to struggle on run defense, got a lot of things going for them. A lot of things trending in the, in the right direction as far as the. Syracuse football program is concerned, but you can't be too giddy coming off. And forget about Clemson at this point. You, you're going to lose when you go to Clemson. This loss is a much, much tougher loss to swallow than the defeat at uh, Clemson. And now at 4-2, and two, you're about what you ever could have thought would be. You know, I guess that's probably the, the record that you maybe thought you'd have at, at this point, but it takes away some of the good feeling of the Florida State win of the good showing at Clemson, et cetera. And now you're back to playing football with still the second half of the season to come. This is the halftime break as the big picture of the season goes. And the concerning thing with the Orange is not that they've lost these last two games, but how they've come to lose them. They've played with the lead, and the opposition has been so sure about being able to run the football, they've been able to overcome suspect quarterback play and just pound it, pound it, pound it on the ground to get the job done. And in both cases, Clemson and Pittsburgh come from behind to beat the Orange. Uh, back-to-back road losses for Syracuse. Now they'll have back-to-back home games, and you need to have home games mean something and work for you. North Carolina's not had a very good season so far. NC State has, though. And uh, the Wolfpack, in fact, are ranked and... That's the game a little bit off in the distance now. That North Carolina game announced today as a 12-20 start. For all of you that uh, text me, you know, do you have inside knowledge on game time? I never have inside knowledge on game time other than I can tell you what the times of games are, which you already know. Games are played at noon, 3.30 or 7, basically. Those are your three time slots in the East Coast. Really anywhere in terms of local time, but uh, that's how they get slotted out. And then 12 days prior to the game, one of those gets uh, selected. This will be the second consecutive game for Syracuse where they're on Raycom Sports in the 12:20 time slot. So they have a little bit of a pregame show and then this 12:20 kickoff similar to what the uh, Pittsburgh game was on Saturday. Of course, it was a long day at Heinz Field on Saturday with an hour-plus-long rain delay. 
basically it was an extended halftime. I, I still to this minute don't know why if they'd seen that coming on the radar, they bothered to go with the warm-ups for the second half. Literally, it was just two plays. Pittsburgh scored, and then right back into that long delay. Syracuse came out and played well after the delay, so I guess that was well-timed uh, from the Orange perspective. But uh, by now, you know, the Qs could not get it done. Kadre Olison named the uh, running back of the week in the ACC after taking advantage of the Qs to the tune of a 200-yard day, 192 total, 69 yards on uh, one long carry prior to the delay in the first half. The Orange had given up a couple of big play touchdowns, one of 69, one of 68. But it really was in the uh, waning moments of this game, the fourth quarter, the Orange's failure to stop the run that doomed Dino Babers in the Cuse and certainly has to have the Orange coaching staff and players concerned for the second half of the year. It's the same thing. I'm not going to talk bad about my guys, but it's a, it's a matter of getting people down. You know, when the ball breaks to the secondary, we need, we need DBs and we need safeties to make tackles. Just get them down. You know, just get them down. Now, on the flip side of that, our linebackers, okay, they shouldn't get to the secondary. Our linebackers should make those plays. And our defense, our defensive line is doing a good job of covering up gaps and canceling gaps so that those guys can come up and, and tackle on the run. And when they get their opportunities, they need to do a little bit better. We're going to visit with Adam Terry here in a few moments. Moved uh, Adam up this week because by the time we get to Wednesday this week, we'll uh, we'll move on to baseball and some other things on a uh, Syracuse football bye week. And so we'll get Adam's expertise, I, I think, in uh, with my lesser-trained vision, what I'm seeing is the defensive line's playing well. Chris Slayton is as good as his position as anybody. Alton Robinson is extraordinarily good. He was named Defensive Lineman of the Week in the ACC. Two more sacks. He had four tackles for loss in the game. Forced a fumble in the game. He's a monster. Looks like a pro. I think they're doing a pretty good job. I think from there, the linebackers are hit or miss. The primary linebackers that are in the game for Syracuse are Kylan Whitner, who's a converted safety, listed at about 215 pounds. Who knows what their weights are to this minute, but Whitner's listed at 215. Ryan Guthrie's listed at 222, and Andrew Armstrong, 228. That would be slightly undersized by ACC linebacker standards. Antoine Cordy, who is small but really hits, barely played in the Pittsburgh game. He's nursing an injury, and he's a guy who's has some great football in his career, but what have you gotten out of him now three years running? He's been injured uh, and missed a lot of the season due to injury the last two years, and this year yet to distinguish himself and has missed some time. I see a lot of plays where people are in the right position. On the fourth quarter drive, where Pittsburgh scores an important touchdown to erase the Syracuse lead, first of all, Robinson has an offsides play. That's not good. Then Darren Hall in a conventional handoff runs right by Ryan Guthrie and runs over the freshman safety Andre Sisco. And then later he has in Wildcat and touchdown from seven yards out in which he's untouched. So is that not the right adjustment? Were people confused or not in the right place in that one? But they didn't get a finger on Hall on that run. On several others, I mean, there's a lot of one, two, three yard stops there 
by the uh, Syracuse defense. They do a lot of things right. They get the ball out. They had three takeaways. Only game all year where the Orange were not plus in the turnover margin. And obviously when you are plus in the turnover margin, you increase your chances of winning. That's what we've seen through the start of the year. They were ACC best plus eight in the uh, first five games of the season. So we can get into some of the things that went well in the game too, but all of this coupled with a day where Eric Dungey wasn't entirely himself. He got the job done in some ways. He led a couple of really important scoring drives. He had a long run himself to get into the end zone. His accuracy was way off. You know, is Eric hurt? Does Eric need a break a week you know, here to to gather himself. I think those are the things we'll attempt to find out in the uh, coming days and week or so before we get back to a game week. But uh, this was a missed opportunity to be favored on the road and to uh, come through with a win. It's uh, certainly a setback in a, a number of ways, and now time to uh, to recoup. When asked his message to the team going forward. I think you know my feeling on this. When I go down after the game, I'm in the locker room. I do hear all this stuff, the coaches' messages uh, to the team and the, the tone in there. Uh, I'm not on the team. I tend to leave that stuff, uh, you know, unless there's extremely rare circumstances where I feel like it's kosher to share it. I leave that among the team. But if Dino Babers does choose to share what his message is to the team, I certainly give him that opportunity. And in this case, in the post-game press conference, he shared that as well. And it was, as you might imagine, about holding his team tight in this uh, next week plus the transition into back-to-back home games. Stay together. You know, uh, four and two with a heck of a chance to be six and oh. You know, both games, we had the lead going into the fourth quarter. This football team's not done. You, it hurts. You know, those guys are young men, you know, and, and old men. We take it really hard. But we got to learn from it, and we got to learn from it. And that bye is coming at a good time because we need to heal up. we got some guys that are playing really banged up, and now it gives us an opportunity to come back and play, I want to say, two at home. Is that correct? Two at home, back at our place. And, and maybe after we play those one at a time, we may be feeling a little bit better. I think uh, players and coaches alike actually like this buy. You got to have one buy anyway. Right in the middle of the season makes sense to me. And now you gather up for uh, back-to-back games at home. So when I asked Ryan Guthrie about it post game, do you want to play tomorrow or uh, have a bye week? He said, "Nope, like the bye week. People are uh, banged up right now, and it's time to uh, get going." Certainly, that would be the most beleaguered unit on the team, and. Uh, Stopping the run is going to have to be a key focal point going forward. We'll get into that with uh, Adam Terry as we continue. If you want to join us by phone, you can do it at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. Jake in Syracuse joins us on the show. Hello, Jake. Uh, hey, Matt. Um, you sound beleaguered, man. You sound really depressed about this game. You feeling all right? I'm not depressed. I, I just don't feel very well. But I, I appreciate yeah. you looking out for me, though, Jake. Me either, man. Um, so... I really wanted to talk more about Dungy. I mean, obviously Pittsburgh watched a lot of tape about the, you know the fourth quarter from uh, from the Clemson game. Syracuse got gassed in the running game again. They got to tighten that up, but I, I believe they will with some coaching and make some moves. But you know, 
you, you can't, just looked awful. And you, you don't bring in DeVito because the difference between the two quarterbacks, DeVito gets the ball out of his hands faster than any quarterback, like within 10-yard passes I've ever seen. But Dungy's accuracy down the field is probably the, one of the, right there with the best quarterbacks in the nation. And the whole game is kind of waiting for him to play, waiting for him, wait, and it just never happened. I don't know if there's an injury update on that or what. And one more thing real quick. I don't know. Are you into USC? Did you see Conor McGregor? I'm not into that. I think we're going to talk about it later in the show. That'll be uh, driven by Tommy, who much uh, must have uh, stayed right. up. We, we paid him to stay up late for it. Because I, I think Conor McGregor's next fight should be that guy that jumped in the ring and sucker punched him from behind. That's who I want to see him fight next. Thanks for taking okay. my time. I like that. I, I'm aware there was some after-fight stuff going on. Tommy's going to fill us in on that a little bit later. I, I think really what you do with these UFC people is you sick them on people you don't like or could have come up with uh, some, some different things there. Not related to the fight at all. You know, I think in a lot of ways, this is one of the worst games Eric Dungy ever had. You know, we did a little Twitter Q&A during the break. People were talking about, oh, make a quarterback switch. You're out of your mind. You're not making a quarterback switch in that situation. Senior to freshman. I, I think you're underestimating the, the gap that's there. That all being said, Eric Dungy had two or three throws that were as wildly inaccurate as you can imagine, which lead me to believe... You know, maybe he's not 100%. Uh, Dino Babers downplays any sort of shoulder injury as, as nothing more than an owie, uh, in his words. You know, Dungy's too good, especially in this offense where a lot of the throws are high percentage, to have 20 incompletions in a game, to complete less than 50% of his throws. Yes, there were a couple of intentional throwaways. There's a, a drive late in the game where Sean Riley's on a bit of a breakaway off to the left, and Dungy misses him by 15 feet. Now, could that have been... Some sort of miscommunication, I suppose it could have. Um, I don't think he was throwing it away in that situation because it was so early. But uh, at the same time, you're not taking Dungey out of the game. I would absolutely advocate you live and die with Eric Dungey. He's done too much to be pulled. He hasn't shown, you know, and, and Tommy DeVito is a good quarterback, very promising future. Uh, let's not pretend that he's necessarily going to come in there and make it look as easy as I think people are envisioning. Um, in some of these conditions when it really matters and you've got to go uh, lead a scoring drive. So I don't think a quarterback change is by any stretch of the imagination the answer. That being said, Dungy really kind of gutted this one out. This was not his day. I think it looks a lot worse when we talk about that one play where they didn't blow the whistle. He's stripped and, and uh, you give up a defensive touchdown to Pittsburgh. The ball that's thrown right to the defensive lineman is not a great uh, throw as well. And we can get into we can get into the last play of the game. You'll hear uh, Dino Baber's description of what the mindset was on that one. This is a play that has short, intermediate, and deep options, and there's probably more that meets the eye to this play itself. We're running a sprint out. Okay, we're going to cut the perimeter. We got if it's a zone, we got a guy who's going to be six to eight yards deep. We got one guy deep to back the safeties up, and, and if we run, we've got our quarterback on the perimeter. Have you seen our quarterback on the perimeter? We thought it was a really good call. We, that's, we're not second-guessing that at all. I mean, he takes off and runs around the edge. He could score on the very first play, and he's our, he's our most explosive player out in space. Well, there's no question about that. He had scored a touchdown earlier in the game on a play where he scrambled and got loose. In fact, it was a passing play, but he was flushed out of the pocket 
and uh, was able on uh, plan B to score. What happens here in this last one, I don't think they were setting out to go for it all on one shot in that uh, overtime. Obviously, the interception leads to, you know, completely ends the game. There was a check down route. He's throwing to the end zone. He throws in a double coverage. I'm sure he'd love to have that one back. And you're throwing it to a 5'8 wide receiver in Nikeem Johnson that maybe isn't in the game if Devin Butler is in the game and on the trip. He was not on the trip due to a violation of team rules. So lots going on there. We can certainly take your calls if you'd like to. 437-7644-ESPN44. We'll get to Adam Terry when we come back. We're in the booth. Brought to you by Marriott Syracuse Downtown on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Keeping an eye on the American League Division Series between the Astros and Indians in Cleveland. No score third inning, but uh, Houston mounting a little bit of a threat here. One out and a man at second after a botched uh, pickoff try at first base. So we'll uh, have a half an eyeball on that. You can hear that game on uh, ESPN Radio 1200 AM if you'd like. Jose Altuve Jose Altuve at the plate, a guy who uh, makes things happen for the Astros, so something might go down here, and we'll keep an eye on that. Yankees-Red Sox game three tonight. You can catch that on TK99. Adam Terry, our guest, he uh, waited patiently patiently through the break and switched his regular spot from uh, Wednesday to today, so I appreciate the flexibility there, Adam, and uh, I figured we would uh, must well comb through the wreckage here of Saturday a little bit and and put it to bed and, and then go on to something else for the bye week. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, my duration on the phone waiting was kind of like that uh, intermission that we had right after the touchdown in the third quarter. So not too long, but uh, a little bit disturbing. So it's uh, <laughs> looking forward to putting this to bed, like you said. They got a bye week and then uh, kick it off against UNC at twelve twenty two weeks from now. You know, it's a waste of time, I guess, to talk about is the bye week well-timed or all of that. I. I asked one player after the game, Ryan Guthrie. He said, "Yeah, let's let's uh, step aside here. Everybody's kind of banged up. Certainly in this run-stopping unit. If you're talking about the linebackers, they're beleaguered. They're in trouble. So I could see where somebody like that, you know, that group of Whitner, Guthrie, Armstrong, they want to get their feet back underneath them and get feeling good going into the North Carolina game. Dino Babers, we just played a, a sound bite. Says, "Yeah, well timed, perfectly. Uh, the bye week. What can be done?" during this week, Adam, to address the issues? Well, unlike the uh, NFL, you can go pick up some journeymen that might have seen a lot and, you know, implement them and throw them in there. But but the reality behind this is this college football. You have who you have. You know, there might be an opportunity to give some of these younger guys a little bit more of a look. Um, but with the scheme that they're playing, it, it, they've got the guys that are in there. You know, you're going to have to play with Whitner, Armstrong, and Guthrie, you know, for the most part of the rest of the season. The only thing that they really can do is, you know, by giving up so much running, you know, switch it to a bare front, you know, go into some checks when they come into the heavy packages. So you're coming from that four two five into, you know, you're going to cover five guys across the board. You're going to put somebody over the nose, over the two guards, and um, over the tackles or tight end, depending on where that really lies. But, you know, they really haven't shown much of that, and they've, they've stuck true to where they – um, feel most comfortable in, in putting in the, uh, for lack of a better term, nickel personnel where they've, where they've got five DBs in there. So, 
you know, what can they do? It, that, that's really about what they can do without really changing the whole schematics of what they, of who they are and who they believe in. So, um, you know, but, it, but the other thing is confidence, you know, can some of these guys gain confidence looking at the film? I don't have an end zone cut, so it's, it's hard to watch. Were people in the right fits? Were they in the right gaps? Um, and that's, that's what the coaches are going to have to do. Coach Ward is going to really have to take a look and say, were you in the right spot? If you were in the right spot, why didn't you make the tackle? And for the most part, that's what it is. And it's a little bit of a gut check because now you're really getting in the meat potatoes of, of a stronger schedule. You know, you get out four and two out of the first half. And, you know, if Syracuse finishes three and three, and, you know, that'll be a successful um, duration over the next couple months. Sure, get you seven wins for the year. And Adam Terry, our guest, uh, calls the games with us on Saturdays. We'll be back in the booth on Saturday the 20th when the Orange take on North Carolina in the Dome, NC State, to follow the week after that. One thing that I look, think about as a you know football novice compared to you, Adam, is when you struggle against the run, not only does everybody know it, I'm sure it empowers every other team to think, well, yeah, we can take advantage of this. Because what it's really done the last two weeks is quarterbacks that probably weren't as capable to beat you, those teams still beat you because it it went hand-in-hand with what they wanted to do anyway. Uh, Clemson wanted to make it easier on Chase Bryce. Pittsburgh didn't want to trust Kenny Pickett in the game's final moments there. And when you can sort of play it safe and keep it on the ground, why wouldn't you? Yeah, you know, the, the, the conversation nowadays for, you know, you look at the next level in the NFL and they're saying, hey, these, these running backs are a dime a dozen, where in college football you can ride the, the coattails of a running back into uh, in a bowl game. So, I mean, look at Boston College and what they've done with Dylan over last year, and, you know, he's been injured a little bit this year. But Pittsburgh came into the game, and they, we knew that Kadri Olson was a guy. He ran for 194 yards and 24 touches with – you know, a touchdown, and granted, they were there was one big run of 69 yards, but then you've also got to look at the backup in Darren Hall and 17 attempts for 100, 108. You know, right there, you just look at it, and uh, it wasn't just one running back. It was two running backs that really got the best of Syracuse this week, and then Travis uh, Etienne before that um, the week prior. So, it, it's a it's a tough pill to swallow, you know. You're you're looking at what Syracuse is capable of doing offensively. It wasn't their best game of the season, not necessarily statistically. They did okay, but it was also you know when you look at Dungy and what he was capable of doing. It was 18 of 38 with 108, 195 yards passing. But you know the two glaring things on on Dungy's uh, record from last week was really the three turnovers, you know, the fumble and then the two picks, but. You know, there's, you know, you can call in a speculation with stuff with him, but reality is he's he's the best leader on the team, and he's going to have to really just look at himself over the next week during the bye, and then going into the next cup or going into the last six games of the season. And what is the what is the resume? What is the film that I want to put out as that leader for Syracuse? Um, and and he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And the one thing that we're we keep hemming and hawing over is the run, and that's something that you know seriously has to be looked at. Well, you know, I agree with you on Dungey. I mean, the guy's got too good a track record to not be stuck with at this point, and you have to figure that it gets better from here. Uh, he's hoping you know seven more games in his career 
to uh, see this through. And Saturday stuck out, and again, they're one play away. You know, one play goes different in the Clemson game, and yeah, and I'm saying that with knowing that they got plenty of breaks in that game too. And then you come to the Pittsburgh game. I'm not flooding back with all kinds of great breaks they got. There was the one bad call in their favor on the Custis catch up the right sideline. Uh, but one yeah. more play, and they're right there on that one too. I think you know Pitts fans are probably wondering how they managed the clock and things like that at the end, settling for that uh, 45-yard field goal. It turned a, it turned out well, obviously, for Pittsburgh, and they were able to put the pressure on in overtime by scoring early. But uh, I'm with you on Dungy and – what Syracuse has not exhibited really so far, Adam, is that flip side that that they can consistently hand it off to somebody and pound the rock or run the ball that well. The the Syracuse offense looks bogged down in a way because uh, you know people kind of know what they're what they're trying to do. The screen game has not been super productive, and uh, I guess they they started off great against uh, Pittsburgh, but not able to sustain that. Well, yeah, you're, you're looking at the run game and what it's capable of. I mean, I got really excited about Jarvie and Howard knocking the helmet off, but statistically, <laughs> it's not. It wasn't a great showing by him. Seven touches, eighteen yards, but it was just that impact that he came in and, and was capable of doing. Now, the running backs really didn't get get a lot of touches. You know, it was go with a hot hand. They went with them for a few plays here and there. And, you know, the one that really stuck out is Dante Strickland at six yards per clip as he, as he touched the ball. You know, it, it, you add all of that up, it, Dungy still has 81 yards, you know, rushing. So, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, some scrambles. So looking at that, you know, I think the offense will clean it up. Defensively, they'll, they're either going to fix it or they're not going to fix it. And, you know, I think after last year's fall a little bit towards the end, you, you, you definitely have to fix it. Um, you know they're going to come out and run the ball. The one thing that for Syracuse right now is they they got served a little bit of a humble pie. You know, you, you come and you lose two games in a row, but it's also you're, you're still continuing to establish how, as a team, you win games. Um, and that's going to be the three facets of playing football, offense, defense, and special teams. And so far, special teams has done done well for them. And it was a game where offense and defense, uh, you know, defense struggled against the run. Offense just struggled as far as just that click, you know, get that, that motion of just like the first drive of the game. Um, you don't expect to score every time, but you expect to flip the field and make sure that you're in position um, so that when that ball is kicked to you again, you, you're ready to go. Um, still extremely high on them. You know, Syracuse is, hasn't even scratched its full potential on offense. And then defensively, uh, they're doing well in the back end. It's just solidifying when you know they're going to run against you. Um, and like I said, this isn't with an end zone cut, so it's hard to really see if everybody's in their gaps and doing the right things. But it's just execution. You know, as you're watching people fly around, it's not like there's a, a huge glaring um, hole each play. It's, okay, well, the guy didn't get to him, make the tackle, and how do you make somebody do that? It, it, those are those are the key coaching points on that. So, Adam Terry is uh, with us. Looking forward to him again, and, you know, 
being up in the booth. Yeah, absolutely. Got one more quick one for you. I want to sneak in a quick baseball update. Meant to do that before. Alex Bregman was hit by a pitch to load the bases. There's now two outs in the top of the third inning. Marwin Gonzalez at the plate. He had hit a foul ball home run, and now a fly ball to left, and the Indians are out of the inning. So that one is still scoreless as they uh, play into the bottom of the third in Cleveland. Adam, how about your boy Graham Gano? 63-yarder at the horn for the Love Panthers it. to beat the Giants. Yeah, you know, Graham's a... Graham's, you know, you look at some of these kickers and, you know, it's it's amazing how uh, Baltimore did a great job. They had Matt Stover in there for a long time, but, you know, the kids that came there, through there were, you know, Robbie Gould, Hauschka, Gano, and they ended up all getting cut, and then they, and then they draft this kid named Tucker. But... Hmm. Uh, you know, to watch Graham do it, he's a really humble guy, extremely bright guy, even though he went to Florida State. <laughs> um, super excited for him. You know, 63 yards, we, we're seeing these guys bang 50, 50, 50 to 4, 50, 51, 54 uh, in the Syracuse pig game. But, you know, 63 is just unheard of. Yeah, incredible. Long uh, as a weekend of long field goals. In fact, both uh, Graham Gano and Stephen Houske with game-winning field goals yesterday. We'll get to those if uh, time permits here before saying goodbye today. So, Adam, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of the week, okay? All right, man. Talk to you soon. That's Adam Terry. He'll be with us uh, on the call of the Syracuse-North Carolina game, of course. Still a little while away from that. We'll turn our attention a little bit to basketball this week. The Orange versus White scrimmage is in the Dome Friday night at uh, 7 o'clock, and I on uh, those guys and gals before their seasons tip off. That'll be here before you know it. Exhibition Men's Basketball in the Dome, October 25th. Incredible how quickly that comes up. More as we roll along on In the Booth from downtown Syracuse, Galaxy Media on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Berman was on the call of Game 3 of the Braves and Dodgers last night, and the Braves phenom, uh, Ronald Acuna, hit a grand slam in this game, and, and Chris Berman had a great call of it. 3-1 pitch. Hit all the way to left field. Back it goes. Back, 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 back. Good! A grand slam! He can't legally buy a drink. But he can hit a grand slam in the postseason. On Ronald Acuna, yeah, I'm not a Chris Berman fan. I was when I was first learning what ESPN was, and I was 13. He's obviously an ESPN legend. He's coasting here. They have literally 100 people that ESPN employs that they could put in that would do a better job calling the game. Oh. But they would do that in more of a uh, conventional way. And in this case, uh, tremendous moment. He killed it, carried it. Good for him. Not my cup of tea. Anything else you like to? No, I don't know. I don't know. Is that the reason that we was brought up to discuss? I, I mean, I'm, I just don't think Chris Berman is a very good baseball play-by-play announcer on the radio. Uh, I found. Yeah, I agree. You know, he I carried the sport- emotion of that particular play, but if you really are paying attention, he does not do a good job. I thought his he was much better as a uh, sports center. Highlight. Yeah, well, he has a lot of positives, yeah. and they give him this job because he's a legend, and you know he deserves to be thrown a bone. But ESPN has a lot of people they could put in that position that would actually describe what's happening in the game fair enough uh ouch <laughs> you, did you want to know my opinion no, about I it or no, you're right. I apparently he cares uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 
McGregor Khabib, either of you guys watched the fight? No. No. <laughs> it was McGregor got he got destroyed, but it was the stuff after the fight that really became the storyline. Khabib decided to jump over the fence after the fight and go after one of McGregor's coaches in the stands that was just ringside, basically. And then one person from Khabib's camp ended up jumping into the ring and uh, cheap-shotted McGregor from behind. And now both of these guys' rewards or money after from this match are both being held on to. They're not being given their money yet. Likely suspensions and fines coming as well. Just a, a bad look for the UFC after this one. Yeah, I don't know if it is. I mean, to me, I wonder to what extent it's orchestrated or certainly condoned. They'll benefit from it. We're all talking about it. You know, I don't pay much attention to MMA and UFC and all that stuff, but Dana White's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. This all goes back to the the bus fight and all that stuff back sure. in the, the springtime, and it'll build up to a rematch at some point. You do think this is more of a net positive for the UFC? Than I don't know. I mean, I, I don't – we're talking about UFC today. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, sure I guess you, you might talk about it either way. I, I don't – it just doesn't move the needle for me. It's not something I'm really interested in in consuming. I understand these two are stars. I understand Dana White's a magician in terms of the way that he carves it out. I don't think – if you're a fight – if you're into this stuff, you're not less into it today. And if you're not into it, you're at least aware of it more today. I'm sure it just all leads to a rematch. I mean, to me – this stuff is just getting closer to WWE type thing. And again, I'm not into it in the first place, so it's not like that really turns me off. And finally, Odell Beckham Jr. in a taped interview with ESPN that was aired yesterday kind of called out Eli Manning a bit. He was asked if there's a quarterback problem in New York, and he said, quote, don't know. And then was asked if he was happy in New York, and he said, quote, tough question. Not... I mean, that's not a tough question. You, you shouldn't be answering that. Well, way. he just got a max deal. He had a huge game yesterday, but uh, Pat Shermer, who you know is not a Hall of Fame coach uh, for the Giants, has got to be up to his eyeballs in this and have had enough. Uh, d- just go catch the football. He's getting paid a lot of money. I don't think people, you know, this is something that destroys teams. The Giants don't have a backup quarterback that you'd rather have in the game than Eli Manning, so forget about it. It he had, Pat Shermer had some some comments after the game that he he was fired up. He addressed it immediately before, right as he got to the podium. He didn't even let the the media ask him questions. He addressed it as soon as he could. But yeah, a tough start for the Giants on and off the field. So now far. got beat yesterday at the field goal we were talking about by Graham Gano. Giants are one and four and playing the Eagles at home on Thursday night. Thank you, Tommy. Back with more to wrap the show in a moment in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Jensen to snap it. The snap is good. The kick on its way. End over end. It's got the distance. It is good! Graham Gano from 64 yards out and the Panthers beat the Giants. Fun to listen to the Giants games. Bob Papa and his uh, various uh, partners and the other broadcasts of the, the Giants. They're here on uh, ESPN 97.7. They don't pull punches. They let you know what's uh, going on there. And the, the Giants are quite the soap opera. Win some, lose some, and uh, certainly have lots to talk about. And in that case, uh, Graham Gano's 63-yarder. The kicking yesterday was awfully poor. Mason Crosby, one of the best all-time NFL kickers, missed four field goals and an extra point for the Packers, but we had uh, Stephen Hauschka. He had a game-winning field goal 
for the Bills as well. And uh, obviously, big field goal kicking at Heinz Field on Saturday, too. Back tomorrow on the show in the booth, Cam Lynch will join us. Good to be with you on ESPN Radio Syracuse. 